Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining us on If the Couch Could Speak. I am your host, Jessica Ehrman. I am also the creator of Happy Little Brains. We have a lot of new faces here today. We have a lot of returning faces. So without further ado, I would love to get started with introductions. I'll go first. Again, I am Jessica, the CEO of Happy Little Brains. My niche is video game therapy. I also specialize in very complex trauma. I'm going to go ahead and pass the mic on over to Brittany. Hi, everyone. My name is Brittany Cockrum. I'm a licensed professional counselor located in Alabama. I'm currently working in a university EAP system. Um, not in private practice, but looking to possibly get back into it soon. So I'll, I'll keep everybody updated. We'll see. Passing the mic on over to Stephanie. Uh, Want to make sure there's no other Stephanie. Always had to make sure of that growing up. Uh, my name is Stephanie Olano. I'm a licensed MFT um, in the Bay Area near San Francisco, but a little bit outside of that. Um, been in private practice over the past year, started private practice over the pandemic, and it's been fun. I specialize with teens and young adults. Um, 16 to like 25 is my niche, and I've heard like working with veterans is easier. So, but I'm all about the teens, as you can probably tell from my background. Um, and yeah, couldn't imagine doing anything else. So. Passing it on over to Jessica. So I am a licensed professional counselor in Arizona. And I also started my private practice um, earlier this year as a result of the pandemic. And I specialize in working with adults and teens as well as specializing in substance abuse and couples counseling. Thank you, Carissa. Hey guys, it's me, I'm back, it's Carissa. You can find me at Paladin MFT on Instagram and on my website. I am a registered marriage and family therapist and registered associate uh, professional clinical counselor here in SoCal, California. Um, I specialize in working with adults, depression, anxiety, life transitions. Uh, you can, uh, as I said, at Paladin MFT, really looking forward to today's spider pages. I'm so stoked for spider pages. You have no idea. I have been daydreaming about spider pages all week long. Like that is my juicy gossip of the week. All right, David. Hey, fam. Uh, Jessica and I were uh, uh, colleagues at the Pepperdine University. So I'm David Serpin. Go waves. Right? Go waves. Go waves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, so, um, yeah, my name is David Serbin. I'm an associate marriage and family therapist and associate professional clinical counselor. And, um, you know, I've kind of gotten the opportunity to work with a little bit of everybody. So um, I guess that's the advantage of, you know, working um, like kind of moving sites if you have the luxury to do that. And I've I've worked at a few different sites, even though I've only been in the field a short period of time. But yeah, I get to work with a little bit of everybody and my training is primarily in narrative therapy, but I utilize um, geek therapy and CBT and motivational interviewing and consider myself to be eclectic. Awesome. Thank you, David. Cynthia? Hi, 
nice to meet everyone. Um, I'm Cynthia Fox, and I'm a newly licensed marriage and family therapist. <laughs> and uh, I primarily work with empaths, creative, and highly sensitive people. And I combine spirituality and psychology. So oftentimes people will come with me when they have felt limited in their previous therapy and really wanting that extra layer to kind of get them to the next um, level of where they kind of want to go to. And I use different metaphysical tools like tarot and hypnosis and astrology and numerology. And we have a lot of fun. And parroting on that, I have had the honor of being part of a tarot therapy group with Cynthia. Shit is fucking amazing, dude. Like, it is mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. I'm so glad to have you here. Ben? Hello, everyone. I am Benjamin Tights. I am a registered psychological assistant in Orange County, California. I actually uh, am currently working in both clinical and forensic psychology, uh, getting my hours for licensure. Um, I previously was a social worker for five years in psychiatric hospitals. So if you think you know crazy, I, I can assure you, I know something too. Um, I am also uh, the host slash co-host of two podcasts relating to mental health. One is called My Hero Therapy, where we talk about the psychology of the My Hero Academia anime and how to be heroes in real life. We currently have one episode live, uh, still editing the second episode coming soon. And then another podcast called Mental Health Quest, um, where we discuss just what is therapy? How do you find a therapist? And so much more about the mental health care system. So you can look both of those up on uh, Facebook or Twitter. On Twitter, the handles are at My Hero Therapy, uh, the words are capitalized, and at MHQ Podcast, MHQ and the P are capital. I am so happy to be here because I have some stories from sofas in the psych hospital. So, so excited, so glad to have you. Christy? Hey y'all, I'm Christy. I'm a registered mental health counselor intern in Florida. I live on the Space Coast um, where they send all the rockets and send the shuttles off. So that's my hometown. Um, I'm kind of known as the sweary therapist. So I tend to be really upfront and blunt and authentic with my clients. I incorporate a, a lot of different things, a little bit of geek therapy, a little bit of the metaphysical tarot, a little bit of the CBT and a ton of mindfulness. Um, I'm working to reincorporate more outdoor stuff like nature-based therapy and things like that. I did that for my internship when I was a student and it was absolutely my most favorite thing. So I'm working to get that a little bit more going on. Um, I guess that's that's it. That's what I'm doing. Oh, and I specialize in adults. I've tried working with children and teens and I, not for me. So I stick with, with the regular old adult people. <laughs> I feel yeah, working with teens is so hard. Oh my goodness. But I'm right there with you with Stephanie. I love it. Shit's interesting. Go for it, Josh. Last but certainly not least. Yeah, thank you for all the time to prepare. Um, my name is Joshua Shea. I'm from Maine. I am a uh, porn and sex addict coach. I'm also a certified betrayal trauma coach. And I was also recently certified to handle therapeutic disclosures um, after you know a, a, a traumatic event. 
Um, I've written three books. I was a TED Talk speaker. I went to the Red Sox game last weekend and saw a classic. And uh, yeah, I guess, I guess, you know, I'll, I'll plug everything later. Awesome. Awesome. So glad to have you guys. This week is probably going to be one of our most interesting weeks. We have a lot of really awesome things to talk about. But speaking of sheer awesomeness and hilarity and just juiciness, Carissa, take it away with the spider pages. All right. Hey, guys, it's Carissa again. We're going to do what we do every podcast, which is talk about the spider pages. So just in case you're new to this and you haven't heard before, basically us as therapists, we have a licensing board that kind of keeps track of our legal and ethical obligations as we work with clients. Um, And so sometimes we as humans, we fuck up and sometimes we royally fuck up, in which case we are not giving you the basic standards of care and our license may be revoked. We might be receive disciplinary action. And so this is us reviewing when that happens. We are not going to release any names of anybody um, that are um, talked about today. Sometimes I use like toxic therapist, Tom or Tammy. Um, So everything is going to be confidential, but we're just here to bring light to situations where maybe there's some red flags. If you're currently going through therapy and things don't feel right and you're concerned, and maybe you might need to bring this up to a board. Okay. So now that we've said all we need to say about that, let's jump into it. So today I thought we would go a little bit lighter. I feel like we did the sex thing. Um, I I would highlight that one again. Therapy should never include sex. (laughs) That's like that's basis. In California, we have like a little pamphlet that we give our clients. Therapy should never include sex. Um, But also there's other things that kind of happen that get out of the way. I loved last one. I thought the last one that we talked about was great, but let's get a little lighter. So this person that we're talking about, we're going to go with toxic therapist, Tom. Okay. Uh, Toxic Tom's back. Toxic Tom's back, baby. With a passion. Okay. So toxic Tom, toxic Tom, not Tom. (laughs) Toxic Tom. Um, He has some interesting things going on. I was like really reading this, trying to figure out like, okay, where did we go wrong? Like what, what was happening? I think toxic Tom ultimately did some self-destructive things. So First of uh, which, one of the things that he um, ended up doing was, of course, you know, one of the things that we're not supposed to do is driving while drunk. Um, If you get a DUI, that's kind of like a no-no in our field. But this person went a little bit further. Um, Toxic Tom was drinking heavily and then attempted to rob an individual for money on the street using a knife in his possession. I wanted to bring this up since it's, you know, we're close to Halloween and like, I just wanted to have that theme in this space, but like, yeah, violence. No, what, what happened? Toxic Tom. I don't understand. Right. So then there was, you know, obviously that happened and that was not okay. It was brought up to the board. They talked about it. Um, he made a plea deal about his alcohol and then can still continue to consume, in which case he did get stopped for driving drunk while under the influence of alcohol. He got a DUI um, and he was convicted. Um, so needless to say, Toxic Tom had a, a severe problems with substance use, mainly alcohol. 
And he was putting a lot of people in a lot of dangerous situations, um, driving while under the influence. He could have hurt somebody. He actually did attempt to hurt somebody by robbing them. Um, so this is serious. So one of the things that were that is important for us as therapists is to check in with ourselves and to know like, hey, maybe I have an issue going on. Maybe I need to consult with other therapists in the field and see like, hey, this, this life thing happened to me and I'm coping with it by drinking so that we understand whether or not we can be a harm to our own clients. And can you imagine being in a space where you just kind of get lost of yourself and you get, it goes that far. Like that, that just blew my mind. Like we're out here trying to be our best, live our best lives as like uh, the guy from 13 for Halloween, that movie. <laughs> Michael Myers. Oh my god. I love it. I saw the trailers for that one. I think it's also a friendly reminder that therapists often need therapists too. There's no shame in going to therapy as a therapist. I mean, I blatantly tell my therapist, like, girl, I know all of the coping skills, but do I use them? Absolutely not. Like this morning, did I have any water? No. Did I start my day with a shit ton of cold brew? Absolutely. Did I also have anxiety and wonder why? Yeah. Yeah. But it's okay to go to therapy, even as a therapist. It's a clear sign. I mean, if you want to go stabby, stabby, Dexter style, maybe you should talk to somebody. I I really Uh, found it interesting that this guy... That the board would like just oh okay well we made a plea deal he he promised he won't do it again i what i i don't know if you can tell what state that was in but like that's just really surprising that at least in california they would allow that um granted maybe you know so there's different licensing boards depending on what kind of therapist you are mm-hmm. for you know in california for mfts and professional counselors and social workers there's the board of behavioral sciences for me as a potential psychologist is the Board of Psychology. One of my supervisors, um, she's the president of the Orange County Psychological Association and she's also the chair of the like ethics committee. So she's sometimes actually assigned by the Board of Psychology to like monitor people that are like under review uh, who are like had reports made against them for bad conduct. So like I've heard some things like this but nothing like that where he like went out and attempted robbery and they still let him like go like oh he made a plea deal he promised he won't like yeah he was what, what ordered to did you go AA, to that you all that? of that stuff yeah right. and, uh, if he was an, he was an alcoholic i was gonna say he the only thing i can think is if they say he was under the influence and it was because of his alcohol addiction that he did this so we're gonna see like give him the opportunity to get it right but wouldn't, like, in my mind, if that was the case, fine. He was under the influence. He has an addiction. Maybe suspend the license so he goes and mandate therapy, you know, and then we will revisit this after you've successfully completed therapy True. or some mm-hmm. other treatment program. Agreed. Like, yeah. that's just, like, I, I have, I work with a lot of clients with addiction in my internships. And actually, just a couple of them, just, like, all of a sudden were just, like, no-shows. You know, which of course my mind is like, okay, how much do you want to bet they relapsed? Uh, and I was talking to my my supervisor, and she's like, well, 
why don't you just send them a message and like check in with them because they missed their appointment or whatever. You could just be like, hey, I noticed you missed your appointment. Are you okay? Kind of thing. So we did. And there's like, oh, I decided I don't need therapy anymore. Uh-huh. Sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's likely. So, I, I don't know if this, this, I don't think that this is too much information, but the person actually wasn't licensed. They were an associate. So, <laughs> so all the more reason why That's, they should have been like, wait, hold on a minute. Where, yeah, where, like, where was their supervisor? The, yeah, now I'm agreeing with you, Ben, because that's even more of a reason to be like, all right, let's, a, let's get this under control right intern, now. Basically, like, where was the right. supervisor? Um, was he like, okay, yes, he committed these crimes, but he wasn't doing it while he was acting as a therapist still. But like at the same time, the therapist should have noticed the his supervisor should have noticed that like he's maybe coming into work a little hungover or like were right. there like, no warning signs that his supervisor like, could find? Right. That also brings up a really, really great topic that I do want to explore in a future episode of really shitty supervision. Because unfortunately, Cynthia, I see that smile, you know what I'm talking about. But I I definitely want to explore that because I think as associates as well, or even someone a bit newer to the field, I mean, I've, I've been doing this for three years, I wasn't aware of how truly horrendous it can get, but it gets bad, it gets bad. Now, I did want to, go for it. Yeah, and to couple that with like examples of what good supervision is like to know what to look for or what questions to ask, I think would be helpful. Mm -hmm. yeah. And right. to add to that, we're, we're also like a lot of these interns are meeting online, like on Zoom, mm -hmm. you know, so they're probably showing, I mean, how many times have we joked um, with clients or people like, this is the most organized corner of my life right now, but everywhere else is a mess, but that's not on camera. So maybe right. associate, you know, who is getting supervised, but it's only like an hour out of their day, one corner of their life, they're able to keep it together there, but it's the rest of the time that's not the best and probably a supervisor or the rest of his colleagues weren't able to see that. True, you know? I, yeah, I think that did add a whole nother layer of complications is just the changing. I feel like we kind of, I think all got lucky enough to have still had that face-to-face -face interaction. I feel like for most of us, I agree. Yeah, I, I was, I mean, for me right now, like one of my supervisors, I meet with her primarily online just because of scheduling issues, but I see her sometimes in the clinic because she's meeting with another intern of hers. So I'll like catch her if I need something. And like, she constantly texts me to check in with me or whatever. So even if I'm not mm -hmm. meeting with her, she's checking in with me. My other supervisor is like a mix between in-person and like online, just depending on her schedule, because that's the forensic. She's in court. Like, OK, I, I can't follow her everywhere. Obviously, uh, I'm not a you know, I'm not that kind of intern. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, but either way, like a good supervisor is more than just, OK, we meet for an hour a week and you just tell me that your clients are still alive kind of thing that you're the, the supervisors supposed to watch out for behaviors and also to train you in how to recognize these issues in yourself yeah. mm -hmm. i know that off like right. no one knows that going into it it's it's really not hard to hide addiction though i was no, an alcoholic no. for jesus 23 
24 years and I had, I, I sat next to my boss at different jobs, hammered as hell and he never noticed. It's really not hard because if people aren't specifically looking for something, and that was my alcohol, that made me slur, that made me smell, you know, that made me walk funny. That, you know, nobody ever saw the porn addiction that I had for the same amount of time. Uh, second thing I'd say is let's at least give him props for using a knife and not a gun. Um, I'll give him props that, that for that. That involves, that involves, <laughs> yeah. that involves a skill level. Um, and the other thing I'd say is, um, as, is, that a, is that a form of harm reduction, kind of? That, that, that I, was I, I would say it's harm reduction. <laughs> I, think if you're go, I think if you're going to steal from somebody, it, it, that's, you know, morally and legally wrong, at least he worked for it to a degree. You know, but that's just me. I look for the silver lining. Um, anyway, anyway, the other thing I'm going to say is, um, and, I, and I, I say this as somebody who used to be uh, very much at the top of this region in Maine, as far as business goes, um, there were the, the big business newspaper in Maine once said I was going to be one of the 10 economy breakers of the 2020s or whatever the hell it was. Um, and I got to tell you, I was also a city councilor. Um, there are so many backroom deals. There are so many scratch your back. I'll scratch your back. I'm going to tell you all something that's very embarrassing for me, but I have uh, published it before that the thing that woke me up at my first rehab, which was for alcoholism was about a week into it. We had to sit and figure out how many times we'd driven drunk. I went to rehab when I was 37. I started driving drunk probably the same week I got my license. So, um, I figured it out as I was somewhat conservative and I said 1.5 times per week. But if you figure that out over 21 years, it worked out to something like 1600 times that I had probably driven drunk. Now I'll tell you, I got stopped, especially towards the end, probably five or six times by the cops. And because I was on the city council, guess who decides the budget for the city council or for the police? It's me. Guess mm -hmm. who has always been publicly um, supportive of my local police? Because they they actually are a great community team. And it was always me. So if I got pulled over, I was told, how far is it to your house, Josh? You know, it's, it's about a mile and a half that way. Like, okay, I'm going to follow you just to make sure you get there. I know. And I was in, when I was in rehab, actually my, my second rehab, and I only had two, so this is not a 17 part story. Um, I met a lot of nurses, doctors, therapists who were at this, they're at this very good rehab and they had to go away to something, what was it called? Caduceus or something at night, which was like for uh, professionals who were addicts, I guess it is. And, uh, talking to them, they said that in their hospitals, when it comes to like the legal wranglings of talking to some of the lawyers, there are these backroom deals everywhere. And mm -hmm. I have a feeling some of the stuff you read when it's like, holy crap, why did this guy steal a piece of gum from 7-Eleven and lose his license? And, you know, this guy killed a man in the street and danced in his guts and he's seeing clients next week. It's because we live in a system that's pretty effed up. And, you know, I, I'm not going to change it, but I accept the way it is and I know how the game is. And it sucks, but it is what it is. You're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. No. Unfortunately. Sorry, and, it's not just a TV show. 
No. But also, murdering someone and dancing in their guts would make for a really good horror movie, I'm just saying. But... You don't slip right away. Right? Right? But that could also... Non-slip shoes, you know, good shoes with good traction and everything, you'll be fine. I, I always find barefoot is the best when I'm doing that. There you go. There you go. Same here. Same here. Well, speaking of multiple sides of being a therapist, I wanted to open it up to a question that we received from the audience. And again, if you are listening, if you would love to submit a question, there's no right or wrong question. There's no question that's, you know, forbidden from this podcast. I welcome it. Send me an email to happylittlebrains at gmail.com. But this week's question, I love this one. If you weren't a therapist, what would you be doing? Then I'll go first because a lot of people... They see my bright-ass hair. They see my eccentric personality. But a lot of people don't know the background that I come from. So if I wasn't a therapist, you know, the cookie-cutter answer would definitely be a vet. I would love to work with animals. But I actually would return to fetish modeling. And that's something that I did for many, many years and brought me great joy and made me feel absolutely sexy and stunning. And I wish that the community was still a super safe community, at least where I was practicing, performing and modeling. But it unfortunately became a really unsafe community right after Fifty Shades came out which is a whole nother conversation as well but i would love to go back it was something that was really fun i loved shibari i loved rope suspension and it was really really fun to feel all pretty and then have little flowers in with the rope as well and just feeling like a goddess i want to go back to that definitely i I can uh, go next Yeah, oh, go sorry. Ahead, no, ladies first. <laughs> ladies first. <laughs> um, I'm actually straddling two different careers. So it's like, it's easy for me to say, like, I would probably still be teaching and only teaching. So I'm a professor at the local community college. Um, I've actually been the program manager of the phlebotomy program. So I teach people a practical medical skill as a, you know, step into the career, you know, healthcare career. Um, and I also teach psychology and I teach in human services and I, I just, I teach like a boatload of things. And I absolutely love doing that. And I think that if I were not a therapist, I probably would have branched out into other teaching. Like I would probably teach meditation and teach yoga. And I had started to actually do that. And instead I went into counseling and I'm doing this now. So what would I be doing if I wasn't a counselor? The same thing I was doing before I became a counselor and that I'm still doing. That's probably what I would do, so. Um, I think for me, first of all, that's awesome. And really being a therapist is just a different kind of teacher. So, you know, because we have to teach skills and insight to to the patients because otherwise, why would they go to you if they already knew it? Um, Such a tough question. Um, I think, so when I was first starting college, I thought I wanted to be a a medical doctor, Um, you know, good you know, solid career kind of thing. Only problem was I literally cannot do math. Like I need fingers and toes and everything. Um, so that that lasted all of a semester. Um, and then I thought I would be a teacher. Um, and I don't actually know why I, I left that that idea behind. I just kind of, it just did, it just kind of didn't stick. Um, but another career that I've actually 
kind of thought about more recently since I started like having an interest in forensic psychology is I might want to like be a lawyer um, or something like that. Um, don't tell my mom that because she would love it if I, if I became a lawyer. Um, but, you know, it is super fascinating, um, you know, now that I, because I do have an interest in the law and all these kind of things. I even had that interest when I was a social worker. Um, but, you know, that, that might be something, but definitely I'm not going to like spend another, I, I've already spent so long in grad school. Do I really need another three years? I so. feel you on that on a spiritual level. People ask me all the time, so Jess, are you going for your doctorate? No, no. Mm -mm. Oh, yeah, but I, I, I did totally go to my doctorate. I'm still doing my doctorate right now. I don't need another doctorate. <laughs> you know, how many, how many doctorates do I need really? You know? All of them. I want all the doctorates. I just want I mean, I, to that, That's what my mom would want me to have, you know, so. <laughs> I'm only one, you know, I don't have enough time in the day for that, so. I'd be a professional student if that was like a thing. Oh. I, I'm there with you. That's yeah, what if I, I, if, I could if somebody paid, would pay for it, though. Yeah, if someone could pay me, and not just pay for the school, but actually pay me directly as there well for taking yes. the classes and doing the stuff. Yeah, oh, sure, I'd fine. be there. I'm I'd totally be all for it. That. Uh, these student loans repayments starting back in January, it's going to have us all out here like Squid Games, man. Like, I, it's going to be fun. I think another I'm one where I'm sticking my head in the sand paid. with that right now. Yeah. <laughs> another if you go back to school, I, you can continue to, like, push that off. So I don't yeah, know. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Avoidance. And then also I would like to be paid to, like, try new restaurants and, and travel and stuff like that. So, like, one of those, like, food bloggers, travel bloggers. I can't write for shit. Um, but I just want to go and try the food and then I'll tell the person who's going to write it. Like my best friend, she's great at writing. We'll just go together and we'll eat the food. We'll get paid to eat the food and she can write the articles. I'm just eat. I'm just there to eat. All right. Who would like to go next? I'll go down. I will. Oh. oh, go ahead. Okay. Thanks, Jessica. Um, <laughs> Honestly, if I could get somebody to pay me to do wildlife photography, that's what I would, I, I would be very tempted to drop therapy, which is sad. I love therapy. I love my job. I love my career. But if I could get somebody to pay me to travel and take pictures of animals, oh, I'd be gone. Like, <laughs> I love y'all very much, but <laughs> I'm leaving. So, yeah. So believe it or not, actually, at one point, I actually started going to school for video game design. I, that was like my whole thing until I got there and realized you have to be able to draw, which I can't even make a stick figure look good. So needless to say, I dropped out a month later, <laughs> but I realized now if I wasn't doing this, I actually do wish I would have went to medical school. So cool. how are you with that? I, I would have been wanting to do trauma though. I would have been, I, I'm way too much of an adrenaline junkie to like have my own like little like family practice office. I would have been working in trauma. But I, that's actually, and I was gonna say, that's actually how I got into trauma, but I stuck at math, Ben, I'm right there with you. I mean, part of it is the ADHD component. You know, I didn't know I had ADHD at a really, really young age. And I didn't have those fundamentals because my attention span is of a walnut. 
and like I cannot sustain my attention even with meds and math was always my downfall but I'm right there with you Jessica like I'm such an adrenaline junkie and that's why I love working with really complex trauma I think that's actually why I liked working in a psych hospital because it was very like energy it wasn't always there wasn't always shit happening it just almost daily you would have there's just energy you're moving around especially on an acute unit where the patients are there only like three to five days average at least in California depending on the state there's different laws whatever but like I was always running around I had to do assessments I had to do court hearings I had to do this I had to do that I had to call people you know I I fed off that energy you know I'm a very energetic person ADHD totally worked there um you know but like at the same time though it worked again your ADHD will work against you because Mm -hmm. you can go too far like you can be you know too energized so Mm -hmm. right yeah I love that so that was why I pretty much, that's why I like addiction so much. Cause when you're working with people with addiction, you never know what to expect. And I love it. Absolutely. So anyone who else would like to share real quick before we move on over to the poker face game, Cynthia, I see your hand. When I grow up, I want to be a DJ and I know. I'm very excited. Um, also, it's funny. This is the only thing I've ever wanted to do since 13. I've never done anything. The only job I had was working for a psychiatrist. And after finishing my license, I'm like, man, I just want to like work at a clothing store, just like do something really like normal. But, um, but yeah, I definitely want to be a DJ. Oh, and my second love was art history. So I would have been like to be an art historian, but tarot to me is a, is a good um, compromise with that here for i was gonna say girl there's nothing about you that's boring like and normal but i love that for you so our topic du jour is probably one of my favorite topics and thank you josh for coming up with this idea last week how do we keep a poker face in sessions because honestly as we've brought up even in here today we see some shit like we see some really messy things sometimes. How do we keep a poker face and what are some times that it came in handy? So I'll, I'll go first with, with an example, but again, as a friendly reminder, we will keep confidentiality in mind when we are sharing these stories. So if a gender is provided or an age is provided, it is done in a way that keeps the client confidential and there is no identifying information. Now, when we do this, I'm going to challenge all of my fellow clinicians, counselors, and therapists, keep a poker face or see if you can, right? And let's see, out of all of my, my crazy cases, if you, if you know me and my work, you know I've had my share of fucked up cases. Um, but there's one that takes the cake. And I know David and Cynthia know about this one, and I think Chris knows about this one too. But you, you know which one I'm talking about. But, yep, so I work with a lot of alternative lifestyles. So as I shared earlier, I'd go back to fetish modeling. I used to do BDSM professionally, and it's not something that I'm shameful about or anything. But I work with a lot of alternative lifestyles. 
And I work with a lot of clients who do BDSM or who are into poly or who are ethically non-monogamous or are even nudists, right? So I had an individual who, and to clarify, this person never became a client of mine, but for all sorts of reasons, but this individual came in for a consultation to see if we'd even be the right fit. And this individual disclosed that they are a nudist and arrived to, so we were having some, some technical issues, so we had to switch to Zoom. And they were completely nude in the Zoom call. And I saw absolutely everything. And it gets even wilder than that. So I wasn't really phased by that. And I'm not going to go over yet how I kept a poker face because to this day, I have no idea how. But throughout the about hour long consultation, which they're usually never that long, they're usually about 30 minutes max just to get a feel, longest consultation of my life. I am pretty sure they were masturbating the entire time. Um, I did see those parts too on the Zoom. And in the conversation, there was a couple of things that I picked up on. Um, being wary of, of potential triggers in this case, this individual disclosed that they are poly. They have several partners. They were married. They had other relations and every part of this polycule, so to speak, were all dating each other. Now, this individual's offspring, so again, keeping gender confidential, this person's offspring was also dating one of the individual's partners. And I was like, okay, okay. And they disclosed that the offspring had witnessed many playtimes. And not just casual playtimes, but very intimate playtimes, if you catch my drift. And one night, um, the offspring was sitting on the individual's lap and noticed mutual enthusiasm and disclosed wanting to become the parent's partner. So I'm sitting here like, okay, um, where do we begin? What are we going to be working on? Um, what, what do you want to work on in therapy? Because the nudity wasn't a concern. Being poly wasn't a concern. Being kinky wasn't a concern. So I'm like, okay, what are we working on? They're like, well, and I asked, so, well, how do you feel about that disclosure? They're like, I kind of want to. And then it got a little more interesting. I work from telehealth. My, my dogs often interrupt session as much as I try to not have them interrupt session. And we started talking about animals and pets and my animals make a frequent appearance in session because you know clients want to see them all the time and they made a comment they asked me have you ever been curious about pets then they proceeded to disclose that they too have been curious about having the pets join in on their fun time yeah, so I did not end up working with that individual, but as the consult went on, 
it's very hard to keep a poker face. Because each time I thought I had an understanding of what was going on, it got deeper. And more stuff happened. Very interesting. So, go ahead, Josh. I'd like to follow that up because mine is my involvement in on this, too. Um, well, before, I, before I get into your story real quick, yeah. who had a hard time keeping a poker face? Brittany? Well, I can, I can tell oh, you. Oh, lots of hands. I'm keeping lots, track of who did. Lots of hands. Okay, so, so we're going to have a game at the end of who who doesn't keep a poker face or what, what was helpful, but I saw a lot of hands on that one. Imagine being the clinician on Zoom, man. Y'all see my face? I have a very animated face. That shit was fucking hard. So hard. I don't really even try to keep a poker face. I just don't. That's not me being authentic. And so I don't fucking bother. I was just, I was just trying to be respectful, man. Yeah. But my jaw kept inching closer to the floor of like, what the fuck did I just get myself into? Uh Uh-huh. Right. Go ahead, Josh. Okay. Uh, one of the reasons that I brought up can we all keep a straight face is because this actually happened two days before we did the last podcast. And I was sort of busting to tell this story on the show, but I, I held it off. Um, and it's 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 so disturbing. Um, so a, a person was telling me about how when they were a child, they had to um, fellatiate their father and you know seven eight years old and they told me about how they would you know turn just look away and try to go to a happy place or whatever and one time it was i think the uncle i think it was the father's brother maybe it's the mother's brother was there at the same time and he started fingering the family pets oh no this is not even close we're not even close there yet so I said, you know, obviously the, that had to be, you know, that's nobody should ever go through that, blah, blah, blah. And uh, this person um, who this was telehealth uh, told me that they, they ever since then have had not only attractions to, to uh, animals, house pets, they have acted on them. And then this person proceeded to pick up their cat and show me Oh, Jessica lost. Lost! I died out! I was okay. done. <laughs> okay. If you want to finish the story yourself, you can. But uh, uh, he picked up the cat, and I couldn't see all his fingers, and we'll leave it at that. And I I asked him to you know put the cat down so we could focus. I wrapped up the session in the next five, six minutes, because we were thankfully towards the end. And I sent him an email uh, the next morning saying that I thought that he had a level of trauma and other issues that I simply couldn't address. Holy! Um, and, and I haven't heard, and I haven't heard from him since. So it's been like 17 days. But the fact I know it's been 17 days shows how burned into here that that picture is I, so I yeah want to say, and i've uh, seen a lot of porn i've seen so much porn as a porn addict that so wow wow what's with oh, in oh sorry i didn't mean to kudos to carissa because from what i can see she looks like she's born out of her mind <laughs> oh my god thank you <laughs> Even I 
last clinicians who have seen some I mean, fucked up shit. This is hard. I've seen, yeah. I've seen, I've seen and heard things in the cycles. I can't even speak right now. I'm too Just, like, like, but Carissa, I can I hear anything. You. Seeing something was different. Hearing, hearing is whatever. I, I, can, I think I can hear anything and not flinch. Problem. I got the mental image of that poor cat. <laughs> I think I think that's why it was so hard for me to keep a poker face during mine because I'm seeing this person butt ass naked and I'm like, the whole time I'm like, are they, are they self pleasuring, or just like scratching things? So I have that in the back of my head and then my dogs are right behind me while they're talking about dogs. I'm like, no, this is too close, too close. <laughs> I, um, so I don't think I've had actually anything quite like that. Um, maybe because in psych hospital, there's not a lot of visual components to this, to the delusions or stories, thankfully, but you know, I have to, so when I was a social worker in an acute unit, so in California, when they're on a legal hold, they automatically have a right to a hearing. So that way a court officer can potentially release them from the hold before the doctor's ready to discharge. So I have to basically be in that hearing and I have to present the like hospital's notes and everything. Um, and then I sit there while the patient's telling the court officer, sometimes it's a, it's a, a retired judge. Sometimes it's an attorney who's basically hired by the, who represents the judge and stuff like that. But um, I had this patient, this was, I want to say, I don't know, my third week on the job, uh, you know, fairly fresh out of school uh, with having no prior experience working in psych. Um, and the patient just proceeds to tell the hearing officer that they are pregnant, um, which they weren't, uh, we checked. Um, and the hearing officer just plays along and says, oh, okay, um, is it a boy or a girl? And the patient says, it's a dinosaur. Okay, what kind of dinosaur? T-Rex. Okay, do you know if it's a boy T-Rex or a girl T-Rex? We don't know yet. I didn't want to like get, I didn't want, I wanted to be surprised. Okay, and when did this happen? Oh, I've been pregnant for 19 years because dinosaurs, you know, when you're pregnant with dinosaurs, they take a long time. And <laughs> I'm sitting there. Understandably so though. Yes, they, they kept going. There was a lot more to it. I, I honestly cannot say everything because it, she described how she got pregnant with mm. a dinosaur. Um, I spoiler, alert, it wasn't from a dinosaur. Story. It wasn't from a dinosaur. So, uh, you know. Okay, aliens, you know, come on. Aliens, aliens impregnating with a dinosaur. Yes, you know. Um, I, There's something special about those kinds of delusional stories from those kinds it. of clients. I worked with a few of those during my practicum and I, I wasn't just, good at not being like, really? Like, I, you know, I didn't have the have poker face, but- you, you have to actually just say, oh, okay. You, you can't contradict it. You can't confront it. It's a delusion. So me and the hearing officer and the patient's, like, patient's rights advocate slash attorney, we're all just like, huh. We look at each other. Like we all just share this glance and the hearing says, okay, so I'm going to find probable cause you need to stay in the hospital. Patient didn't actually care too much. She's like, great, thanks, bye. <laughs> we, the second she leaves the room, we all just bust out laughing. <laughs> <laughs>
we I'm wondering how the dinosaur is doing today. Um, you know, I, I don't know. You know, we don't. That's the problem with when you work in psych is that you don't have a lot of follow up. Once they discharge, the only time you know anything is that they come back, which is very sad. Like, because there are some patients that I really wanted to know that they did well. Others, I kind of was just like, I don't think they're going to do well. But there are some that had some progress. And I really was like, oh, I hope you went to your outpatient appointment. I hope you got connected with the boarding care. Like, hope you showed up at your appointment or whatever. Like, I really do. But you don't have a lot of follow-up. Um, this patient, I don't know. You know, they discharged a week later, um, still completely just out of it. Um, and, um, you know, we move on to the next delusional person but it, i i tell both my supervisors and i've told every place i've ever worked like i love working with delusional people i i can sit and listen to a delusion and a psychotic rant just all day long it's all day long I, I, those ones i i just i'm totally fine with that um hearing a patient talk about you know oh they're having arguments with their spouse or whatever i'm just like uh-huh okay all right whatever <laughs> like Obviously, I'm not like doing rolling my eyes in session. I'm very therapeutic, but it's just like, come on, tell me something really juicy. Right, right. Cynthia, I see your hand. I wanna, since we're talking about animal stuff, I have such a good one. That's not mine. Um, my couple, <laughs> my couple's teacher in grad school actually shared it with us. Um, but because I, I might have to hop, hop off soon, but um. So I went to a really special school called California Institute of Integral Studies. You probably know it's in, in the Bay Area, but um, I had this couple's teacher and the unit was cheating and betrayal. And I think we heard from other classmates what his, his example story was. So we're, we're all very excited, but um, basically he had a couple that he was seeing and the reason for coming in to therapy was that um, the wife was throwing the husband a really big surprise birthday party because surprise birthday parties are always the best. And they invited everyone, like children, family, in-laws, all their friends, everything. And the husband usually hangs out in the garage. So she gathered everyone in front of the garage with balloons and everything, everyone they know, and they open the garage and he's fucking the Great Dane in front and they, everyone sees. And they're in therapy to try and reconcile their marriage and get over this. Surprise! The whole class, I mean, of eight people is just like fucking dying. It's like, no, there's no way. How, how do you get over that? There's just no. And our professor is just so calm, so congruent. He goes, well, I don't see the problem. There's nothing that we can't kind of accept and meet and discuss and see. And I was just like, is this how we're gonna be as in a therapist in 30 years? Because I cannot wait because this man is- I missed that memo. <laughs> there are a lot of the professors, I, I, I know like a few graduates from, from your school and they are very like mellow and chill. Like you, you can, they're like Teflon people, I swear. Cause like you can throw everything at them and they're just like, okay, well let's, let's approach this in a more like, so I think I think I fucked up because our professors, I know David can speak on this too, because we went to the same grad school and Costa went to Pepperdine as well. I'm not sure if we had the same um, professors, but David and I actually had a lot of classes together in person. Our professors were so extra. 
and I love it. And that's where I got a lot of my big personality from. But I clearly missed the memo on Poker Face. I'm trying my best. I'm trying to channel Carissa here and just keep that Poker Face. I'm failing, man. I'm failing so hard at this game. Carissa I do want to say one, one thing before I hop off, but this is a personal one. Um, but my client, I, mean, I still like patient, but my patient um, was telling me how she was having these different like synergetic experiences with sex and orgasm. And they were being able to taste colors and textures and stuff. And I just could not handle it. And I just told her, you know, you're God. It was probably the most like not therapeutic to say, but I just couldn't handle it. I was just like, you're God. Like, that's just, that's, that's like, you're my God. And then, yeah, but that was my favorite one. That sounds awesome though. She had going on. That's what I want. I'm just I, I want that. Well, She's a Scorpio and I mean Scorpios. It's synesthesia, it's mixing of the senses. That's yeah, a, like so a natural able... thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. I, I I've never met someone with with that. That's not like I want to like ask them so many questions. Oh yeah. Well, you can right? ask them questions later. Like one hundred. What color is my voice? Mm, green. That just came up. I don't know. Oh, okay. I was like, well, I, and I want to know like what is the reason? Like, what is? How did they like? It's just like so interesting to me because yeah. it's just like. My husband has a touch of the synesthesia, like it's very mild, but it's always interesting when we do every now and then he'll tell me something's a color and I'm like, really? Okay. Why that color? And, you know, then we, then we have fun conversations about how I kind of think things in colors, but not in the way that he does. So it's uh, definitely a fun conversation. I think it'd be really cool to find a clinician or even someone who does have that and invite them on in for a conversation as well, which would be really, really neat. Let's continue with the poker face. I have to hop off, but bye, love. I will see you next time. I have to go as well, but it was wonderful to meet you all. Bye, Ben. Until next time. Bye. All right, let's continue. I wanted to know how cute the Great Dane puppies were. <laughs> I should be laughing this hard. So I'm like, I'm weird. I don't try to keep a poker face. I try not to look like incredibly like, holy shit, what's wrong with you? Like, clearly, I don't want to do that. So I guess if we're meaning like keep the poker face in that regard, I can do that. But like, I don't try to not react to what my clients are saying, especially if they're sharing like a trauma that happened to them. Like that shit's fucked up. That shouldn't have happened to you. I'm going to show that all over my face. It's not a disgusted look. It's a like, holy fucking shit look, you know? So I don't know where everybody else stands on that. So I'm very much about showing all of that i second that when you brought up that you're a sweary therapist i felt that to my core because i'm like that with my clients as well even with my i mean with my my kiddo kiddos i don't i don't cuss but there's no rule that you can't cuss in therapy as well and i believe in full authenticity i mean you and i we clearly got the memo on the bright ass hair too <laughs> but i'm all about authenticity so it's really easy for me to be authentic with like traumas and i mean i've heard some fucked up traumas i have seen fucked up traumas myself but i think when it gets into the what we find morally fucked up that's where it gets really really hard to hold that poker face and and for me it's holding that face of like the shock of like oh my god like the one of the 
door opening up and the dude's fucking a great dean like that's hard to hold that faith and to not convey judgmentalness because we have our own morals as well you know and I think that goes back to though the conversation we had on our first podcast too when we talked about like what they teach us in grad school versus reality and I feel like that was one of the things that they like beat over our heads of like this is how it should be versus reality what's interesting about that is I have worked with clients now who you know have worked with other folks that are more experienced because you know I'm a registered intern I'm not fully licensed yet so I don't have those years and years and years of experience under my belt but I have worked with clients who have worked with those folks and I like to think that not everybody's looking for that style of therapy anymore you know I think more people for me, I find it's most of my younger clients, though, not only, you know, are looking for a, a, a more authentic kind of experience. They want their, their therapist to be like, wait, what did you just fucking say? You know, and, and to have that rapport to be able to have a real reaction, you know, if they did something fucked up to be like, girl, what were you thinking? You know, like that's, I don't see that as a bad thing. And my clients respond really positively to that mm-hmm. these days. Same so with mine I think as well. that that might be a shift that our field may be experiencing. And it's not right for everybody. Not everybody wants to see the sweary therapist. Somebody wants to see, you know, that, and how does that make you feel quiet? Kind of like, that's good. Good for you if you're that therapist. Right. And Brittany, I saw your hand up. (laughs) Anyone else would like to share a really interesting example? uh, Interesting examples, like the ones you guys shared. but I will say that it was a personal mission of mine today to show my poker face because anybody who knows me personally knows I'm very expressive. I was gonna say, girl, I know your face. I know, she, <laughs> she knows. She's like, bitch, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> my family knows that about me too. So they, they're like, how are people working with you? Like, why would they come back? Like, obviously when you say something, when they say something crazy to you, I can imagine you reacting. They should never come back to you. But I'm like, you guys don't know me. And that's <laughs> so now this is their, this is their little moment. I'll be like, watch the podcast on YouTube. <laughs> Go look so you can see. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. That was the only reason why I was like, yeah, this this for them because they never, otherwise they never go see this. <laughs> but I, I did that. have a um, a situation that arose where um, where I was a trainee. I did um, I'm a registered associate marriage and family therapist intern as well. Um, and when I was a trainee, um, this is funny on so many levels because. You know, it's it's like Murphy's Law. What can fuck up? We'll fuck up. So I worked at the county, um, and it just so happened that the time that I was going in, one of the weeks, my supervisor was on uh, was vacationing that time. So I was like, okay, so what are we gonna do? Do you not want me to come in? She was like, no, no, no. You can go ahead, come in, get your hours. We'll just have the secondary supervisor be there, right? So I'm all set. The day arrives. I show up. The second supervisor has an emergency. So he's not there either. And so they were like, um, well, the the next supervisor under him was uh, FSP. So in the county, you go out to the clients, you go to wherever the client is. So that person wasn't there either. 
So I'm like, okay, so there's other clinicians there, but not, not the, not the three supervisors they had lined me up with. So I was like, should I go home? Like, what should I do? And they're like, well, you already have a client and the clients, uh, you already, uh, not, I had a client, but I had, we did intakes. So you're put on the intake schedule. So the person's there. I'm like, okay, I'll just do the intake. I'm probably not going to keep the client anyway, because the way it shaked out, my, my supervisor always checked the clients before they came to me. So the guy uh, or girl, this person, uh, they walk in um, and the first thing I notice about this person uh, is that they have this really like a, a scar um, on their neck. And so my first thought is, okay, because I realized, I, I checked the date and then I'm like, oh, this is hospital discharge day and I have no supervisor. So now I'm going through the intake and I'm thinking in my mind, cause I'm just a trainee. I'm thinking in my mind like, okay, I know what to do. I know what to do. I have to do the Columbia suicide risk assessment. Um, so I'm asking the questions and the guy's like dodgy about the answers. The girl's dodgy about the answers, right? This person. And uh, so I'm, I'm like, okay, have you ever had a suicide attempt? And they're like, yes. And I'm like, okay, cool. So uh, how did it happen? Because in my mind, I'm like, I can clearly see, but also they never said that that's what happened. So I still have to ask. So now they're looking at me like I'm stupid. Like, bitch, you. <laughs> what do you mean? How did it happen? <laughs> because in the Columbia risk, suicide risk assessment, you it's very detailed. You have to ask very, questions. very detailed. Yep. You have to be like, when was it? Where were you? What did you do? What was the plan? What was the intent? What happened afterwards? Were you hospitalized? Like, there's all these details. It's like full length battery basically of what happened when it happened how did it affect the person all the da, da, da. so then they're like uh well i i tried to slit my neck to cut my neck and i said okay um so now i'm screaming inside like oh god like what what is gonna happen like do i need to like make sure this guy doesn't or this girl doesn't leave like what am i gonna do um so i have no supervisors what are you again, saying, man? again i have no supervisors this day but there's other clinicians there and you know of course it's a county facility so there's like you know uh, we have like the security guards and whatnot so if anything was gonna happen i was gonna be fine but i still was sweating under my collar like oh my god what if i fuck this up um so we, we, we get to it and then, then we talk about another suicide attempt and, and he's like, or she's like, it was pills. But I don't really think that was a suicide attempt. And I'm thinking in my head, oh, because slit of your neck was the, was the bar. So the pills don't count. So in my mind, I'm like, what, what have I got myself into? Because now I'm, I'm two hours in, I'm trying to finish this up. And so I was like, what, what do you want for therapy? And they're like, yeah, well, you know, my mom said I should come and I should get help. And I do want to get help. 
And uh, so I finish it up. I ask him, I ask this person like, yo, do you, do you have any, do you have any uh, suicide ideation right now? Do you have any plans or intent right now? And he's, he and she's like, no. So they leave and I'm like, okay, cool. I finished it the next day. My supervisor is like trying to find me. <laughs> And it's like, yo, did you see such and such? What what happened? And I was like, oh yeah, I did the, the intake and I did not take them. Um, you know, and they're like, well, their parent, their mom came and they were trying to ask, like, why weren't they put in an inpatient place? And they were like, why didn't you do XYZ? Why didn't you talk to XYZ? I was like, you weren't there. Such and such wasn't there, and such and such was also wasn't there. <laughs> Again, on bad supervision, because a supervisor should not put a trainee in that position. Like, even as a trained clinician who specializes in suicide ideation, I would be shaking so hard of like, holy shit, what do I do? Like, what do I do? Right. I was, I was so terrified and I was so scared. And then I was like, so I was like fucked up the rest of the week because I thought I did, I fucked up because I, I did the assessment. Like I answered all the questions like I was trained to do. The person said, no, I, I was like, okay, well, there's nothing really I can do from here. Um, and so they were like, oh, well, you know, if that happens again, you should just bring in another clinician. Like you could always like trade it over. And, and I was like, yeah, that wasn't explained to me. This is an after the fact kind of conversation. So now I have to live with this and be upset. Um, but long story short, the person ended up seeing uh, another clinician after me. Um, and this person, uh, I'm sure has got the help that they need, hopefully. Um, but it was a really, uh, it was a really, I think, educative experience for me to understand like, if I don't know what's going on, like I'm just gonna bother everybody. And I think from that point on, it made me be like, hey, am I doing this right? Hey, are you available? Hey, I, I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I, I needed to have that happen so that I know that if something happened in the future, if a crisis of that nature happened in the future, which ultimately did later on as things do were in therapy, that's kind of what happens. Um, that I could depend on myself, that I could think on my feet, and that I could get the help that I needed to help me through that. So I wanted to share that. Just to Thank you. Jessica, I see your hand. I was just going to say, though, unless you work in a community mental health setting in which the crisis response team is in the same building, but yet won't respond when we're having a crisis for somebody in group in the same building. <laughs> That's always great. Oh, and things get messy. Go ahead, Stephanie. I what I was going to add to this is like I think that's why a lot of therapists are moving away from the poker face, you know, because that's part of the of us like having our shit together and us having like this professionalism, like we're the expert, like we're supposed to know everything. But really, what our client really needs from us is another human, is another one hundred percent. Like I, I, and this is kind of why like a lot of people are kind of thrown off when working with teens is because you have to be very authentic. You have to be real. Oh, they'll see through you real quick. Yeah. So, and I had no problem doing that, but you also have to be comfortable with that yourself, you yes. know? And if you have to like put on this facade and be like, yeah, I know what I'm doing all the time. 
I think that's why there's a lot of burnout. 100%. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately mm -hmm. for a lot of these uh, trainees and interns, it's like they kind of are turned to wolves. Like Chris was saying, like, I've been, been through similar situations and I've known many people who are like, I, I don't know. But what's mm -hmm. not being told is like, that's not how it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to be supported, you're supposed to be guided, but unfortunately you don't get that. No, it's all about that authenticity, man. Honestly, that's what I'm learning more as I go on. And I know I've kept y'all for a really long time today. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but I'm also not sorry. You guys are welcome for a longer episode this week. But I did want to kind of share something that I've started doing as well to kind of help everybody out. Each week I upload on my website, happylittlebrains.com. That's little with an L-I-L, -L, brains, plural. Um, if you don't know the name, look at any of the podcasts. It's right there on there for you. But I have uploaded agendas. I've also uploaded the dates that we will be recording. I do try my best to upload the recordings the same day if I can. But y'all know technology. Sometimes it's like the file's too big. I'm like, your face is too big. But... <laughs> Also, tonight, I'm going to be partying it up at 3.11, so this podcast will be <laughs> uploaded a little bit later, but if you guys ever want to see what's coming up in the upcoming weeks, feel free to check that out. Always welcoming clinicians to come join the fun, come join the party, but next week, next week's going to be one of my favorites. It's going to be Halloween, y'all. Come dressed up. Come with your awesome Halloween goodness because I would love to explore the treats of being a therapist. So the best moment as a therapist and the scaries. I was trying to go with trick, but I couldn't really think of something for that. But the scaries. So the scariest moment as a therapist because Chris, I feel you on a deep personal level on that. Of We are often unprepared and I feel like our supervisors Spartan kick us out that bird's nest saying fly motherfucker and we're sitting there having deep anxiety <laughs> attacks and panicking and I mean I'm grateful for those experiences in the long run but god damn did I need a Xanax after that. But did want to open it up to wrap ups marketing corner the only thing i have to share is i take my licensing exam next month and i am okay. nervous and excited and i'm finally pain free from my accident for the most part um, i had a herniated disc so that was fun um but i'm, I'm nervous but excited to to be licensed in, in a you month got this. So. Hey. Anyone else would like to share? Go ahead, Jessica. So it is October. So we are in Pregnancy Loss Awareness Month, which is something that um, hit awfully close to home for me earlier this year. And so I am actually starting a pregnancy loss support group online oh, cool. that is starting as of the 27th. So I am taking people for that as well as my husband and I are releasing a um, special edition podcast, sharing our story and hopefully focusing on the fact that despite all the focus on women and how it affects, um, how pregnancy loss affects us, uh, it also affects the men as well, just in different ways. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, thank you for sharing. 
And one quick thing, I know Josh, you luckily have something to share this week. I saw you unmuted yourself. But I will also be creating an area underneath the agenda on my website for the marketing corner. So anything that you guys want to share, anything you guys want to highlight, send me an email and I'm glad to upload that as well. I just want to say the first episode we did of this a while back, I mentioned that uh, one of my pet peeve, growing pet peeves was uh, marriage counselors, marriage therapists who were offering addicts uh, some really bad advice. And uh, I actually got a couple more anecdotes about that from some of my clients. Um, and I just wrote a piece on it that was posted on my website yesterday. I'd love to get those of you who are professionals, um, especially some of those of you who are in the marriage space, um, just, to, just to get your thoughts. To, if you've heard some of your colleagues saying this stuff, uh, because I've heard it from so many people now that uh, it seems like it's pretty, pretty massive. So if you want to check out P, that's the letter P, addictrecovery.com. It's the most recent uh, article I threw up there. So I'd appreciate feedback if anybody uh, wants to share it. I'm going to take a look. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Can I share something? Uh, no, David, you're not allowed. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go for it. Uh, this isn't to self-promote. Um, because uh, I know sometimes people were mentioning like music or other things. And just like I told you, I was really moved by this series on Netflix called Made. And I was so glad to hear that it's actually a real person's story. It wasn't, um, it wasn't a uh, fiction. It was somebody's real life story. I mean, it was based, it was fiction. It was based on somebody's real life story. And um, I won't spoil anything, but it's really just... Um, it can kind of help people who maybe like haven't maybe had their own suffering just see like why do people um make decisions or like seemingly go back to the wrong decision even when the right right option is presented to them and so you can kind of like track this person's um emotions and it shows how much money they have in their bank account as they're going through the series too so it's just a really interesting series i won't spoil anything um but uh just thought it, it really moved me and so i don't know if anybody else here has seen it but uh, i found it very moving and maybe yeah you guys would enjoy it too or, or whoever's listening would enjoy it you said netflix yeah it's on netflix awesome i'm gonna check it out thank you for sharing would anyone else like to share in the marketing corner? Um, I got a couple things um, just kind of in the background, but um, I'm starting a podcast as well called uh, Gutter Cognition. It's where me and my partner discuss um, different mental health stuff, different nerd culture stuff um, with like with comic books and graphic novels. Um, he and I can spend hours talking about these characters and we just kind of wanted to put it out there um, and see what what comes out of it. Um, I also started an Etsy shop for fellow um, interns and trainees, especially about their agendas and scheduling stuff, try to make it affordable. That's called uh, therapy skills. Um, it's a work in development. I think we all need a little help organizing our life. And that's kind of what inspired me to like do the shop. But for the podcast, it was just more like a yeah, 
we're talking a lot of hours on this. Let's let's have fun with it. Let's put it out there. See see what other weirdos like it. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing, Stephanie. Right. Last call, Chris. I saw your hand up. Yeah, I just wanted to go uh, give a shout out, let everybody know I am t accepting new clients. So if anybody's interested in working with me, obviously not from this podcast because I am so expressive. Well, if I could, I would totally work with you, but you know. I love the laughter in my sessions. I do drop some F bombs here and there. Um, but I, I ultimately want to help my clients kind of understand where they are and figuring out that identity, what the cultural aspects of that is, and how that Im impacts their relationship with their loved ones. Um, so if that looks like something that you're interested in, please feel free to reach out to me on my website, www.paladinmft.com, or you can check me out on my Instagram at paladinmft. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I wanted to take the time to thank you guys so much for meeting with us this week. It's such a joy to sit down and talk with fellow clinicians because I hear time and time again from clients and therapists alike that we tend to have a filter on and oftentimes it's hard to remember that therapists are people too so the goal of this podcast is to normalize the crazy shit that we go through but also to show the other side of the couch so if the couch could speak what would it say it would say a whole hell of a lot 